Good morning. Good to see you all. Thanks for joining us here for church today. I'm excited to be with you guys. We are, and there's some exciting things coming up too, like Barry had just mentioned, especially that grand reopening that's next Sunday. Uh, I'll tell you a little bit more about some things going on for that. But there's, we've got these flyers. There's some mailers that have gone out. And so what we're, do, what we're doing is, the marketing strategy is if you only like reach people once, it's not worth it. You have to like hit them a couple times. So we're gonna do these mailers. And um, the first one should go out probably around tomorrow or Tuesday. And if you just go outside and you look in any direction, all of those houses will be getting mailers. You know, 5,000 houses in every, basically every direction. And then again, at the end of the week, right before Sunday, is hopefully if we get the timing just right. And so we've got these, and I'm, I'm, I'm excited about that because we're also gonna, at the same time, we'll run some uh, Instagram and Facebook ads that kind of match the look and feel of this. There'll be some road signs and some yard signs out as well. And so there's gonna be multiple places and ways that people get contacted with the same invitation to come check out church. And so I'm really excited about it. Uh, I think when you, when, so in the past when we've done a thorough and good job with the, the advertising and the marketing, it really does connect us with people. And actually, we, so we got some fresh new road signs. Did you guys see those when you came in, by the way, on your way? So, and then already I just got um, an email that goes through our website. Someone saw the road signs already and asked, you know, was wanting to ask some questions about our church and maybe wants to check us out. So it was just, that was probably within two hours of the road signs being out. So I'm really excited. I don't know what God's going to bring uh, next Sunday or over the next few months, but I have, I've been praying a lot that for the people all around this location, for the people that are living apart from God and don't walk with Him, don't know Him, and um, living really because they're living in, in darkness and captivity, for those people, I'm really praying that God lets us connect to them, that we would be lights in the valley here to, to reach those people. So I'm excited for the opportunities that God may be bringing our way. And so uh, let's, let's jump in for today. And what we're going to do, next week we're going to start a brand new message series, but today we're going we're to finish one. So we've spent the month of January walking through the letter to the Colossians. And this is a letter in the New Testament written by Paul to a church, the church was in Colossae, and one of Paul's goals was to help these newer believers get really deeply rooted and mature, spiritually mature in Jesus Christ. And so we're going to read the fourth and last chapter of this letter today. And maybe this has been a helpful study for you personally. If you've heard some of these messages over the past few weeks, it's maybe been helpful for you uh, learning how to get more grounded in your faith understanding how to get traction in your spiritual life. But I think it's also been timely for us as a corporate church family as well. And we made this transition to this location. Next week is our big grand reopening. And I think it really is be, it's good for us to become more solid and more rooted as a church in order to prepare to receive more guests. And Lord willing, he'll allow us to advance the mission here. And so in chapter four, Paul brings this relatively small but powerful letter to a close. And he writes about some things that the believers there should remain focused on. And so for us, as we think about, we're a church that wants to grow more spiritually mature. You probably, in your own life, you'd like to overcome some challenges and like deal with sin in your life and grow more spiritually mature. 
So for as a church family, here's some things that we can focus on. This is what Paul points out. The first thing is that a mature church remains focused on prayer. In Colossians chapter 4, verse, uh, we actually read verse 1 last week because it kind of tags into the last section. So starting in verse 2, Paul writes about this. He says, devote yourselves to prayer. Stay alert in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray for us also that God may open a door for us to us for the word, to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am in change, so that I, make it, I may make it known as I should. So I would, I would guess probably, probably nobody here would deny that prayer should be a big part of a Christian's life. Like, especially if you're like a spiritually mature one, <laughs> then, you know, prayer should be a big part of your life. But a strong prayer life, it tends to take a long time to develop, you know, in one sense, prayer is easy to do. In another sense, getting consistent in it is, I don't know, it's kinda, it can be kind of hard. There's, there's usually uh, some barriers, some, maybe some hesitations, some questions in my mind to work through when it comes to developing a strong prayer life. And so in this passage, we find a few clues about what our prayer life should look like if we are going to become a spiritually mature church. First, first of all, our prayer should be, uh, that first word is devote. So our, our prayer life should be full of devotion. God says we should be devoted to prayer. And if we're honest, if we'll be honest for a minute, we might be better known for our devotion to some other things. <laughs> uh, maybe a TV show, maybe you're pretty devoted to, a really fun hobby, fashion, exercise, sports. To be devoted to anything means it takes a, a big chunk of my time and focus. It's... Uh, it's frequent, whatever that, I, whatever that thing is that I'm devoted to, it's frequent, it's routine, it's a recurring thing that I just keep going back to. And people know, but people would know that I'm devoted to that thing because I talk about it or they see me do it or I'm, it's a part of my life, it's just, it's a frequent thing. Devotion might not yet describe your prayer life yet, and if not, that's okay. We could perhaps all bump it up a notch in the devotion scale. <laughs> maybe, maybe you could think, what would, what would it look like for me to bump it up a notch? Um, and actually, last summer, Barry Rogers did a three-part series on prayer. It was during the month of June. And he walked through Jesus' template for prayer. And it's, it's, really, it's really well done. It's a, it was a great uh, time of teaching. And, and it's, we have that still on our uh, podcast you can find that through our podcast, or, or let me know if you'd like access to that in some other way. But you could use that series as a way, maybe, maybe you think, like, maybe I would like to become more devoted to prayer. You could use that as a resource to help you get some more teaching on that. But besides devotion, Paul also says that, uses this word alert. So our prayer life should have alertness to it, which means we're not growing lazy and passive, but I'm on my toes and I'm, I'm on the lookout. I'm prayerfully on the lookout for opportunities and temptations. If there's opportunities that God's putting in front of me, I want to I wanna pray about those and, and see where can I get in line with what God is doing. Or if there's temp temptations, God, would you help me? How do, I, how do I have God strengthen me for the battle? So there's this attitude of alertness that I'm ready to go and I'm ready to pray and I'm ready to engage God and ask for his help as I move forward. Another aspect of our prayer life, he mentions thanksgiving. And this is gratitude. As my prayer life has developed, gratitude just spills out more and more all the time because sometimes I'm praying about something 
And then I'm just, I just feel so grateful. So then it, my prayer just sort of, sort of turns into thanksgiving. Or sometimes I, I'm feeling really thankful for something that I'm experiencing or a relationship or family, and then that just flows into a prayer. It, sometimes it just, the, the gratitude and the prayer sometimes just kind of flow in and out of each other. And it, that actually, this, this quality of thanksgiving is one of the things that has helped me pray without ceasing. And another part of the Bible, we're commanded to pray without ceasing. And really gratitude has been a way that I've probably most commonly found myself engaging God and thinking about Him and thanking Him. And then one other characteristic about our prayer life, if you want to develop a spiritual mature life through prayer, um, he, talks, he talks about praying that God may open a door to us for the Word, to speak the mystery of Christ. And so really this is our, our prayer life should be characteristic of gospel advance. We, we want to be a part of what God is doing to advance his kingdom in the world. And that should really characterize our prayers. And the interesting implication here about this, Paul, Paul says, you know, pray that God would open a door. The implication is, if you don't pray for me, God may not open a door. Well, when God does listen and respond to what we're doing and, or what we're praying for, there, there are doors, which I would, I would view maybe in some ways, some of the doors that we want open are relationship to people or maybe a conversation with somebody. Um, there's maybe some ways for us to interact with people that wouldn't happen unless we prayed for it to happen first. That's why Paul commands it this way. Um, so so do, you have a, do you have any neighbors? Do you have... Do you have any family members that aren't walking with God? Do you have any people in your life that you wish you could talk to them about God? You may, I just, maybe I just wish I could get into a spiritual topic with that person or that neighbor or that coworker. Well, you can pray that God would open a door. That's what Paul says right here in this verse. Pray that God would open the door for us to give a chance to speak the word. For, for the mystery of Christ. The mystery is the gospel. This, is this crazy thing that God sent his son to earth to die for us so that we can get right with him. That's the mystery that's been revealed. So prayer focused on gospel advances. It's not just prayer that's focused on my needs alone. You know, we can, sometimes Thanksgiving comes naturally. Sometimes asking God for things comes, you know, easily. But our prayer is not only just on that, but it's because some, sometimes we can get a little bit nearsighted and just focus on me and just my kids and my house and my job and the things that are right in front of me. But if we say focus there, everything else that God is doing can, can get blurry. So we have to make a decision. I'm going to pray and ask God to open doors up for us. And then, so I actually, I, I've mentioned the past few weeks that as we've been getting ready to move to this location, I, about at least once a week, I come and prayer walk this big old block right here. It takes about 15 minutes and and I, after I read this, I, I was looking at the doors of the houses around here. I'm like, man, God, would you open that door? Would you open these doors? Help us connect with these people. Or, or the students that are on the fields here as I'm walking around. Like, God, would you open doors for us to relate to these kids? Like, these are going to be the people that become adults in a couple of years that are a part of our ministry, perhaps, or a part of who we're trying to reach. So besides being focused on prayer, this is, this is one topic from chapter 4. A spiritually mature church will be focused on prayer. But another thing that we'll be focused on is looking out for outsiders. Looking out for outsiders is another part of what we do as we grow in maturity. So he says in verse 4 or 5, Act wisely toward outsiders, making the most of the time. 
Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you can answer, how you should answer each person. So he's talking about outsiders in these couple of verses. So who, who are the outsiders? This is people outside of the family of God. These are people that are outside of the church. They're doing life all on their own. Maybe they believe there's a God, but you know, for the most part, they're on the outside. They're just doing, they're doing life their way. These are people that we live near. Outsiders are people that we work with, probably see every day. Outsiders are people that we bump up against in grocery stores. And God wants us to be aware of and strategically engaging these outsiders that we just bump into every day. It's not enough to just get inside the church and we'll hunker down in a holy huddle and we'll just... Actually, one of the reasons we, we didn't stay at Seiko, because Seiko, that building that we used to be in, was, you know, it was cozy, it was warm, you could see everybody in one room, and, you know, you could have some holy huddles in there. <laughs> but we, we, we moved here partly because we want to be where we can be seen, and we want to interact with people, we want to be strategic with all the outsiders. And, and so what's commanded here in this verse is, is to make the most of the time. There's opportunities for us to buy up. Make the most of the time with people outside of the family of God. And I want to show you a few examples of how we've done that. There's uh, quite a few of you here in our church that this has been a big part of your life, making the most of the time. So here's, I'm going to, I'm going to show you a bunch of photos over probably about the past two years of ways that we've done this. All right, so give me a photo. Here's one. This was um, a hike at, anybody know where this is? Vasquez Rocks. Yeah, it is. So this was, I don't know, probably a year ago, and so we've done, so we've done some, some hikes around town, and we invite people, or invite, we'll invite neighbors to, to be a part. Even, you don't have to go to church to be a part of a hike, so this is a way we've made the most of the time. Here's another one. This was um, softball. There was a series of seasons that people got together, and th- these teams were usually half Valley Lights people, and then half friends or coworkers, just people that, every season that we played softball, there were people on the team that were not Christians. They were outsiders. So this was a way for people to strategically make the most of their time. Like, hey, I've got Sunday nights free, I like softball, and I'm gonna blend that right in with a chance to, to get time with outsiders. Another photo. Um, this, was, this, is from, this is a picture from my uh, front yard. This is a cookout where in the summer we just, I, brought, I pulled the grill out, and then we have actually some, the, the Jones live across the street from us, so we would, I don't, I don't remember which one this was, maybe 4th of July or just Memorial Day, and put some, some toys in the street, kind of block off the street a little bit, and neighbors just come out. I think I have another photo of that as well. Yeah, so we got fire pit and neighbors across the street, and people just kind of bring their own chairs out, and this was just a great way to make the most of the time. Another photo. Uh, this was a camping trip that we did, and um, that, that was tons of fun. We, we invited a bunch of people. Actually, my neighbors, so um, on the, we live in a duplex. On the other side of the duplex is an Indian family, and so we invited, we've invited them to a lot of things. They came on this trip. They're not actually, they, they weren't in this photo, but it was their very first time camping, and so they got a tent, and like they showed up really late, and we were like pulling the tent like out of the packaging <laughs> and uh, we got them all set up and they had a great they had a great time and so they got to meet all of these people from church another photo um, this was this was way, this was further back this was a, a men's barbecue and horseshoe tournament that we put on 
And some of the men just got to invite people to be a part of that. Another photo. This was a band. So Brent is a drummer in a band. He's not here today. But this was, he's done a few of these. And there was actually another concert last night at one of the, one of the bars, I think it was Pocock. And so sometimes just events like this where maybe you like music or you like going to hang out, and this is just an opportunity to get around people or invite people or just say hello to people or interact. Another one. This was a, a, baby, or a wedding shower. This was a party where we we're celebrating the Martinez preparing to get married. And usually when you do either a baby shower or a wedding shower, any kind of life stage event, whoever you're supporting and celebrating, usually they invite their family members or their friends. And not all of them are churchgoers. And so these, are, these special moments in life allow us to interact with you know, people that just aren't a part of church. Go ahead to the next one. This was, I think this was a birthday party. Um, and this was a bunch of kids, the Rosales family, and they had kids all over the street and they just invited everybody that they could to get the kids around. The moms were hanging out, the parents were being a part of that. And you just think, well, we're gonna have a birthday party for our kids, right? So why not make the most of the time and just invite the neighbors and we'll get around. Go to the next one. This was one of the um, women's groups that we've had here, a life group. This is a chance for them to get together and encourage one another um, around charcuterie, which you can never go wrong with that. <laughs> another one, um, just a, a hangout uh, where people getting together, spending time together, enjoying meals and, and games. Another one, oh, this was a, a backpacking trip and I, you know, I'm really, really into outdoorsy stuff. So I, sometimes I think, what do, what do I like doing? How can I get more people around what I like doing? Because I want to do this anyway. So <laughs> in some ways, it may be selfish, but it's a way to make the most of the time. And so we had a great backpacking trip. Next one, uh, this is a pool party in the summer. People just opening up their homes and welcoming people to be just enjoy time together, eating. Another photo. This was, a, oh, this was another baby shower. And again, like I mentioned, a chance to celebrate significant life moments and be a part of and share life with people. Another one, ballet. So maybe your kids are in ballet or soccer or football or music, any kind of activity. If you have kids and you put them in sports, there's a chance for you to meet those families. And those are, you, you just, you're, you're there every week. You might talk to the other parents that are there every week. Sometimes everyone just sits on their phones. but maybe there's a way for you to make the most of the time while you're there. And actually, actually, when we were in soccer, we, we've met families that way as well. Um, this was one of the city events, the tree lighting ceremony, and another chance to either meet people while we were there, invite neighbors to go. Another photo. This was a, so this was another birthday party that we went to, but it wasn't ours. It was uh, a friend that our kids met through um, some of the, Actually, through, through homeschool, I think it was. And um, anyways, just whether it's your birthday party or someone else's birthday party, go to the party and then make the most of the time and, and, and engage with people. Just Instead of just hanging out with people you know and your kids, meet the people that are there. Here's another one. This was, okay, so this was Thanksgiving dinner. I had mentioned the, our neighbors, the Indian family. So this, they went camping for the first time. They also had their very first American Thanksgiving <laughs> at our house as well. And so they just lived, you know, they weren't doing anything for the holiday anyway. So we invited them over and this Indian family got to um, 
not only hang out with us, but meet the Rogers as well. And we had a few, actually this past year, we had a few other people from church come. And this was a way just to share a holiday. They ended up hanging out for six to seven hours, just enjoying time together. And we got to really invest in that relationship. Another one, um, another birthday party. Oh, so this is a birthday party. This is like the only photo that I had of this. <laughs> this is a birthday party that happened um, a couple months ago. And um, this is the one, here, I'm gonna, I'm gonna shout you out, Nikhil. But this is where Nikhil, this day he became a Christian. We had a great spiritual conversation, he became a Christian just a couple months ago. So that was super exciting, that was fun. Uh, just a fun opportunity, it was just, it was an event that got people together that allowed for conversations to happen. And um, so praise God for that. Another photo, uh, this was, so this is a church event. So as we put on events for church, you can come and have fun, but you could also invite people. And so at this event, so many of you invited your, you know, your sister or your neighbor to, to come be a part of that. We had a really great turnout, a lot, of, a lot because you invited people. Another one? Oh, this was, the, um, this was that tree lighting ceremony as well. So um, Mitchell was volunteering here, and this, was, this is actually a photo taken by the city and posted on the city's uh, uh, social media. But Mitchell was there volunteering, interacting with people. We had some other people from church walking around and stuff as well. But this was just a strategic way to make the most of the time. Go to the next one. Another hike. That, this was more recent. So while it's green, I feel like I should hike every weekend. Because <laughs> just enjoy it while it's so pretty. This is another hike. Again, some families that are not churchgoers came on this hike. Go to the next one. This was a game night. Game nights are a great way to get people together, have some fun. Next one, this was a Halloween party through one of the groups. Great way just to have holidays. Holidays are a great excuse to get people together. Next one, okay. So, a lot of fun photos, right? A little, uh, you know, enjoy it. Some of that, maybe you were at some of those fun activities. Now, so now you have some examples in mind. So when Paul's talking about this, he says, act wisely towards outsiders, making the most of the time. And then he says this, actually, yeah, that first part, um, what we have to do is we've got to, I want to look at what this verse says. Oh, no, I'm going to, sorry, I'm finding myself here. Okay, so, let, so, so here's some examples. So first bullet, so game nights, get people together for that. Next one, holidays, Thanksgiving, 4th of July. Hey, Super Bowl's coming up. Is Super Bowl considered a holiday? <laughs> Depends on who you are, I guess. Uh, depend, you can know by who's wearing their team colors today. That'll, that'll tell you. <laughs> um, but you know what? These, these things are times when people get together anyway. So why not do something where you get around people or invite people? All right, another one. Life moments. I had mentioned um, birth, like a, a wedding shower or um, um, a baby shower. Also, anytime there's a funeral or a retirement party, or a graduation. Those are all significant life moments where you have a chance to really support people, encourage. Maybe, maybe some of these things kind of stir up spiritual conversations anyway. Another one, life group events, parties, showers. Look at some of those. Go ahead to the next one. Neighborhood block parties, anybody? Anybody can throw a party in their neighborhood. Go ahead to the next one. Or just whatever you're into. For me, I like hiking, camping, cookouts, and pool parties. <laughs> I don't know what you like, but whatever you're into, do those things and have people come around. 
Um, so you're, if you have kids, sports, dance, band, that's an option. Or, next one, or maybe you don't have kids, but maybe you could join a sports league and be a part of that. Inviting others to church events that are happening here. Is that the last one? Oh, birthday parties. Either yours or your kids or someone else's. Anytime there's a party, go to it and talk to people. So, the, so now th these are all the examples. And so you saw pictures, here's some ideas. And so what we have here is, these are all the different kinds of settings. You're probably gonna, over the next year, you're probably gonna do stuff like this, right? You'll be involved in these kinds of things more than likely. And so here's the instructions. As, as you're thinking about those environments, I'm gonna lay over these, these ideas that Paul says. He says, act wisely towards outsiders, make the most of the time. What we have to do is we're gonna have to resist the pull towards thinking only about ourselves. If I'm gonna make the most of the time, it means I can't just go into this activity thinking about what's good for me, what do I want, what do I want this party to look like, who do I wanna to talk to, which is really normal. It's really normal to be focused on our own goals when we go in. But a mature church, which is where we're hopefully in the direction we're going, is strategically looking out for outsiders. That's what he says. Also, Paul mentions this. He says, let your speech always be gracious. Um, and so as you talk with people, so what you could do is you could go to one of those hangout settings and be obnoxious. <laughs> so don't, don't do that. Maybe that's why Paul says, let your speech always be gracious. I've got a mentor, one of my mentors, Pastor Josh. He's, he's a guy that I could talk to about anything. And I know that he'll always be gracious. If, even if I reveal some pretty dark things, and I have. Sometimes I've confessed some things or I've had to really talk through some things. I, but I, I know now that when I do share those things, he doesn't just come around with a judging comment or give me a hard time about it or to kind of grind me down after I share. What he usually says is, oh man, I can identify with that. How can I help you with that struggle? That's really gracious. I'm like, man, I can talk to you about anything because he's gracious. Other times, sometimes I've, I say something stupid, to, maybe in other relationships, maybe I'll say something stupid or I'll just make a mistake or I'll fumble what I say and then people give me a hard time or they'll just rub it in my nose or sometimes I, I've got some things with some, some relationships where years later they still bring up that, that thing. Remember when you said that thing? I'm like, I will never live that down. <laughs> I was like, man, just, can we just let it go? Oh, I wish I could, I wish you could forget that. That's an example of not being gracious. Gracious is like, no, let's, I'm gonna help you. So our speech with outsiders ought to be gracious, which means considerate and understanding so that people feel like they can talk to us and feel like, and actually be honest and just share openly. And if, if we're, we're spending time with an outsider or somebody who's not walking with God, if they really blow it, they'll have this sense like, I think I'll still be accepted by this person. That's, that's what it means to, to talk in this way. Paul also says, let your speech be seasoned with salt. So today we use salt to make things tastier. And back then though, when this was written, without refrigerators, they used salt as a preservative. And we do that today still, like if you get meat that's cured or bacon or salmon or something like that, you can cure things and make the meat last longer. It, it prevents corruption when you use salt. And in a similar way, we can, what, what's being said here is we can help people avoid decay and corruption in their lives when we speak words of truth and life and we share things that are timely and relevant to what they're dealing with. 
someone outside of the kingdom of God may be experiencing a lot of pain, a lot of confusion in their life, a lot of damage, a lot of relational problems. But you have words that can lead them to peace and lead them to God and really where they can find hope in their relationships. So when he says, let your, what, let your speech be seasoned with salt, it's like talk about those things that will bring life to them. Also, Paul says, talk in this way, gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you should answer each person. We've also got to be ready to share the gospel. If someone wants to learn more about how do I become an insider, how do I get right with God? We've, you've you've got to get, you be ready to share. Do you know what to say? If someone was open, are you ready to say what needs to be said? You know, the gospel, you know, you don't have to say the whole Bible because this would be a lot. This is, and this is complicated to know everything that's in here. But actually, the bare bones gospel of what it takes to help someone find salvation is not that complicated. But you do have to know it. And you've got to know a few references to help people to know the truth. And sometimes... We go into spiritual conversations with family members um, and either we don't know what to say or sometimes you go in, here, here's the other side, sometimes you go into a conversation and you're a little too heavy-handed. And maybe, you, maybe there's somebody, a family member that you've known for a long time and, and if, we just, if we hammer things in the wrong way, we can come off as annoying or pushy instead of gracious and life-giving. And so the, all of these commands in these verses, they really help us to develop the wisdom needed to be a very committed Christ follower, but not be off-putting to people. So if you go back, if you guys go back to that slide that's got that whole list of events of, um, yeah, there we go, thanks. So if you look at this list, these are normal things that we all do in the flow of everyday life. And maybe your list has got some different kinds of activities and categories on it. But year after year, you'll, you'll do these things, and God will give you opportunity just to bump into people, and you'll just meet people. Or you'll have the opportunity to talk to somebody, and you may not talk to them, or you might. Or you just might take a step, I'd like, I know this person, I'll talk to this person, but I don't know this person yet, I'll go over here. I'll just spend a few minutes talking to this person that I've never met before. Sometimes taking that step in that other direction can be really hard and intimidating, and it just feels way more comfortable just to talk to the people that I know. But God's going to give you opportunities over this next year for this kind of thing. And God gives us opportunities to invite outsiders to experience life with the insiders. So at Valley Lights, we could really use your help. And so here's, here's my request to you. Would you help us? Would you help us grow? Would you help us reach more people? Which of these things do you think you could do? Maybe, hey, Super Bowl's in two weeks. Is it two? Okay. Maybe you could host a party at your house and invite some people. Or maybe here making the most of the time would be strategically inviting someone that you know that's a, not a churchgoer, and you invite some churchgoers and you let them all connect. That would be strategic. Or maybe a birthday party is coming up. Or instead of hanging out with people that you know, you, you go to someone, someone new. So far, we've, we've read some different ways that Paul says, Here, here's what it takes for a mature church to grow. There's two things. Being devoted to prayer, then being on the lookout for outsiders, and then there's one more thing, and we'll, we'll, this is the section we'll end with. The other thing that we do is we look out for each other. Prayer, looking out for outsiders, and now looking out for each other. So I'm going to read this, this last section of Paul's letter to the Colossians, 
It's got a lot of hard to pronounce names, so I'm gonna do my best with it here. <laughs> a lot of Greek names, I think. What you'll notice though, as I read through these names, there's a variety of friendships. And there's people in Paul's life that did different things for him, and you'll see that. Um, and I, I, I kind of imagine that as Paul was, you know, thinking about all of these friends that he has, people from church or different churches, he probably was filled with gratitude. He's just like taking an inventory of all of his people. So read this, verse 7. This is, this is kind of like the section of the letter. It's called Final Greetings. So he says, Tychicus, our dearly loved brother, faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord, will tell you all the news about me. I have seen him, I have sent him to you for this very purpose so that you may know how we are and so he may encourage your hearts. So the first guy he mentions is Tychicus. This guy was probably a rock-solid, dependable friend. Because Paul calls him a dearly loved brother, a fellow servant. Well, Tychicus was probably pretty focused on helping the church grow. And what an encouragement he was. He, we, we have men at our church that were like this guy. Faithful, dependable, and ready to be an encouragement. Verse 9, he says, He's coming with... When Simus, a faithful and dearly loved brother, who is one of you, they will tell you everything about everything here. Um, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, sends you greetings. Okay, so here's another guy. Aristarchus, fellow prisoner. So Paul's in, while he's writing this, he's in prison. He's in chains. And there's another dude chained up next to him. Paul apparently made the most of the time because he made a friend while he was there in jail. And, uh, but apparently this guy... He was, he was one of Paul's faithful friends now. And I like this because I, I think it points out that sometimes you have people that are people that walk through trouble with you. You're, in, you're, you're experiencing some, some difficult things and then you, you need some people to go through it and sit there in the chains with you. So there's guys like that. He mentions Mark, Barnabas' cousin, concerning who, whom you have received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. And so does Jesus, who is called Justice. These alone of the circumcised are my co-workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been a comfort to me. So there's a few other guys that were, were co-workers. Don't think about modern-day co-workers out at the office. <laughs> think, of, think of a co-laborer, someone who's, so to speak, out in the fields with you, sweating it out under the sun, side by side, shoulder to shoulder. And if you, if you need a hand, these are the guys that'll jump in and give you a hand. Verse 12, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus sends you greetings. He's always wrestling for you in his prayers so that you can stand mature and fully assured in everything that God wills. So here's a guy who, who would wrestle for them in prayer. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be a comfort to know? Actually, anytime somebody lets me know that they've been praying for me, that actually does encourage me. And to know, to know that somebody's wrestling, actually not just praying a little bit, but wrestling in prayer for you, what an encouragement. It says, for I testify about him that he works hard for you, for those in Laodicea and for those in Heropolis. Then he mentions Luke, verse 14, the dearly loved physician. Now, Luke is a doctor, and doctors are, they give much needed practical help. So it's kind of nice, if you have a doctor in your church, it's actually pretty helpful, because you can ask them advice for things, you know, or a nurse or something like that. And this is, to me, this is a category of friend that's really helpful, because in the room we've got you know, people in the medical field, we've got people that fix airplanes, we got people that 
sell stuff. We got people that know how to do plumbing. We got people that can paint or move stuff or guys just with big muscles. We got, we got all kinds of people here in our church right now, men and women that are skilled at different things. And I love it because we're not all skilled in the same thing, but hey, there's, if I need help with something at home, I, I know who I can call for help because God has just gifted all of you in practical ways. And so God brings people like Luke here, who was a physician, or just people with, with giftings in an area to be a help. And there's something wonderful about that. And, uh, for, you know, you guys probably know um, a guy like John, who's, who he plays the bass, but he can fix just about anything. And he's got a heart to help, and he's eager to serve. And so many of you have been helped by him. And so we've got people in our church that are eager to roll up their sleeves and help in whatever way they can. He mentions uh, Demas, sends you greetings, give my greetings to the brothers and sisters at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her own. Okay, so Nympha is a person who was probably great at hospitality because the church, that's where the church met and they didn't have big buildings like we do now. And so we need that as well. We need people that are hospitable, willing to just open the doors, let the carpets get all dirty, and let you know, you know, coffee be spilled on the counters and all that stuff. And that's probably the kind of things, you know, when you, hop, when you host, you serve people. So that was really helpful. He mentions, after this letter has been read at your gathering, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans, and see that you also read the letter from Laodicea, and then tell Archippus, Okay, so here's a guy, he, he gets singled out now. Tell Archibus, pay attention to the ministry you have received in the Lord so that you can accomplish it. Apparently this guy was slacking off. <laughs> so, so right at the end of this letter, it's like the tail end of the letter, like, oh man, this guy got singled out. Uh, but you know what? I'll, I'll admit there have been times when I've, I've needed a kick to get back on track, and it's good to have men like Paul in relationships where you can spur each other back on and get moving in the right direction. Paul ends with this, I, Paul, am writing this greeting with my own hand, remember my chains, he's in prison, and grace be with you. So when you look at that last section of, of this letter, it's just a whole bunch of names and people, and I thought, this is kind of why we wear name tags. Your name's on your shirt, we can know each other, we get to meet each other, You're like, oh, you know, John, Barry, Samantha, you know, Caitlin, we just, we know each other, it's kind of like what Paul is doing, like, Hey, we, we have relationships with each other. We know each other. And back then, if, if we were then, we probably wouldn't need like the pronunciation guide on the name tag as well for some of those. <laughs> but um, you, you read this and you, you see a bunch of people working together, known by name, getting things done for God's kingdom. And that's encouraging. That is a picture of a church family. And uh, here's, here's a few photos of our church family teaming together, guys. This was a photo back when we were in the hotel, guys just working together to load up the trailer after service. Another photo. This was more recent, a photo from us loading, uh, unloading the trailer at our first Sunday here a couple weeks ago, people teaming together. Another trailer photo. <laughs> this is at Orange Crest Community Church, OCC in Riverside. And this is a combination now of people from Valley Lights and people from OCC and actually a couple guys from a church in Texas, another church that we're partners with. And I thought, I thought about adding this because when you read this letter, Paul mentions people at the church, but there's people outside of the church or there's, there's kind of like a network. There's guys in different, like he mentions, oh yeah, go talk to the people at Laodicea because they have a church there too and you guys can benefit from each other. That's the kind of thing that we do now. 
And so we've got men and women from very, not only our church, but network churches around Southern California. And here's another photo coming up. Uh, oh, this was uh, another event that we went to um, where we helped OCC, our sending church, um, with their new property. And so this was a convergence of OCC people, Valley Lights, another church called Ridgeview. There may have been another one there. And a bunch of men getting together, deciding to labor together, work hard. It's kind of like when Paul's talking about these co-workers, these co-laborers. We got together to work hard. And um, the fun thing about this event is I've kind of been like singling out a bunch of people, but this is a conversation. At the end of this event, I had an amazing conversation with Christian Martinez where he, fir he firmed up his desire to, uh, to become a Christian as well. And so it's kind of fun. In the midst of us doing activities and life together, sometimes those conversations um, just come up. God presents that. Another photo is the Men's Summit. So this was an, an event that we did last year, and you, have, you can actually see on your Save the Dates for you guys here, there's a, another Men's Summit coming up again. And so this, again, is a convergence of a bunch of men from churches that we partner with really closely. And this was a pretty profound experience um, for some, some really valuable teaching, but also for some connecting and relationship building and some vision casting for we're a part of something much bigger. We're a part of what God is doing. And so the Men's Summit that we attended, we had a, a few guys go last year. We're going to have a bunch of guys go this year as well. More details are going to come out. But if, but if you're a man, I highly recommend you give this a consideration. We'll tell, we'll tell you more about that. Also, go back one slide. Thanks. This is, so this property that we were cleaning up is the... Um, so OCC, our sending church, is has been portable for 15 years. And portable meaning using a trailer like we do now. <clears throat> and so they've done that for 15 years. God provided property in Riverside, actually right in the middle of town. Pretty amazing spot. And it's needed to be <laughs> renovated heavily over the past year. But there's a ribbon cutting that's happening next Sunday. And it's in the afternoon. And so um, I actually wanted to let you know about that. If you're interested in going to check out our sending church, and this really big uh, transition moment for them. It's kind of fun, you know, we're having our grand reopening on Sunday. They're having their ribbon cutting on Sunday afternoon, and they did it in the afternoon so that we, we and other churches could go celebrate with them. So if you're interested in that, let me know. Okay, go ahead, I think I've got one more slide. Do I have another one after that? Oh yeah, okay, this is, this is, a, this is, our, this is our church family. So this was our last group photo that we took when we left Seiko, the building, a couple months ago. And I just wanted that, that one, I wanted that to be our last photo because um, this, is, this is our family. These are the people that we relate to most closely, you, you guys and us, and I love building my friendships and my relationships with you, all of you. And there's some really, there's some sweetness that's developing, I think, as, as we relate closely together in all of the different ways that I've highlighted so far. So you can use this passage that we just read to kind of take a, a relationship inventory in your life. So go to this next screen. These are the kind of people that Paul highlights. Dependable friends. He mentions people that walked through trouble with him. He mentioned people that were wrestling for you in prayer, co-laborers. There's people who give just routine comfort and encouragement when you need it. And you know, there's just helpful people with practical skills and know-how. 
These are all the different kinds of people that he mentions in, in Colossians chapter 4. And so the question is, do you have people like this in your life right now? Do you have these kinds of people? Encouragers, helpful people, supporters, people walk through trouble. If, if you don't, you can. Because that is, this is one of the reasons that God designed the church, is for us to give this to each other. So first, do you have these people in your life? And then secondly, are you doing these things for anybody else here? Are you the kind of person that is wrestling for others in prayer? Are you the kind of person that just gives practical help when it's needed? Are you, because, it, it, you know, really it's supposed to be mutual. The way God intends is for, for fellowship. If you've heard the word fellowship from the Bible, koinonia, it actually means both sides, both people are giving and receiving and helping. It's mutual. There's benefit that's mutual. So in a mature church, we look out for each other, and um, here you can be known by people here. You can get to know others, and you can be known. Um, and you can take the time to help other people feel known and seen. I think in the next few weeks, we're going to have some new people come through the doors, people that none of us have ever met before. And you can help them feel like they belong here. It, take, you know, it takes time. It takes a few conversations, a few weeks at a time, but you can help that to happen. And this is a place where, you know, every time you push yourself to take a deeper step into community, because, you know, if we're honest, it's hard, it's hard for us to really build trust, but every time you take a deeper step into community, it really matters. It makes a difference to the whole body when you do that. So there's a place for you here, and you can find help and support and encouragement through the community at Valley Lights. And your participation really matters because others can benefit by what you bring to the table as well. One more slide. I mentioned this last week. As we're getting ready for this grand reopening, um, here's some ways that you can help. You can pray. We've talked about prayer today. Maybe over the next seven days, you can put a reminder on your phone to pray for a grand reopening and all of those invitations that are going out. You can invite. Think about, all right, I got two flyers at least and a digital version as well that I've emailed out. Who can I invite? Who do, who do I know that I could just... I don't know, I'll just take a risk, and I'll invite somebody to the grand reopening. Maybe there's something on here that'll appeal to them. Be outgoing. When, when guests start coming in, approach guests with warmth and friendliness, and then volunteer. We're, we're in a new space. We're portable, and it requires a lot of hands and a lot of muscle. And so in here, in the kids' area, on our hospitality team, and all the different teams on Sundays, we need more help. And so if you haven't made a monthly commitment to help out on the team, you could do that, and it would be a really big help to us. These, all of these things would really help us advance over this next season of church life. All right, so we've, we've finished Colossians. It was, a, it was a rich book. It was a deep book, and we got through that, and a lot of good stuff in there. Let me close this with a word of prayer. Father, thank you so much for your guidance and your help, and for bringing us here, and for this opportunity for us to truly, really evaluate our prayer life, evaluate how much we look out for people that are far from you and how well we serve and take care of each other. And I thank you for providing the motivation, your Holy Spirit to guide us in all of that. And would you um, allow us to, to be a brightly shining set of lights in this valley uh, that are really pointing people to the light, to Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen.